Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. This is the inaugural podcast of Laura's World, where I am going to interview today Blair Alistad, an esteemed colorist located in Toronto, Ontario. Blair, you have had um, critical acclaim for your work. You are a Juno Award winner. You have worked with Sean Mendez, Kaiza, and a plethora of other amazing companies to, you know, bring your talents to the table. And today we are going to get into how did you get to where you are today? I am honored to have you. What's up? It Thanks almost, for having me on. Thank you for coming it is 7.21 a.m. Mountain Time. I'm in Calgary. You are in Toronto. Yeah. It only seemed natural that you and I would kick this thing off, and I think it's going to be fun. This feels like a new a rebirth for both of us this year, 2023. It is. This is going <laughs> to be a big year. Beyond our relationship dynamics, there is so much to talk about when it comes to, I think, career and I have been, um, you know, on the sidelines for you for so many years observing everything that you've done. And it's been really, really interesting to see your trajectory. So really, I think um, the purpose of this show is not only did I absolutely love doing the last podcast, which was um, the Elsie and Kel interiors show. Kelly Lynn and I um, did that together and we would have hosts or we would have guests from all over the city come and sit down with us in our studio and we would talk primarily all things design. And I will still, still prioritize that as I think, you know, the main theme of my show, just because Mm -hmm. that is um, heavily what I'm most interested in as like a specific creative. um, And the Elsie and Cal podcast was so good. I mean, you have to continue that vibe. It was wonderful. I loved it. And it was one of my favorite, I think, creative outlets that I've ever had doing this and connecting with people. So I think, though, with you, and I hope to meet lots of people in this community that are just doing something creative. They're rolling their sleeves up and they're kind of taking, letting nature take course. And they're not even realizing that whatever it is that they now do every day of the week is something that, you know, they can get paid for, but they love it. And so I want to talk about you. Let's talk about you, Blair. Let's let's go. Let's go back to the beginning. The birth. (laughs) So let's skip a few years after birth and well, actually, let's let's talk about pre you picking up the video camera. Were you big into movies? I have always been a massive fan of the cinematic arts. I have photographs of myself being quite young. I would say between the age of, I'm, this is a rough guess, between the age of four to five or six, holding the family VHS camera. And I can remember being very fascinated by the technology and the medium and the ability to capture what was in front of me, what I could see. And um, then, you know, as I figured out how to use it and, you know, as I got older and started playing on very basic um, editing uh, platforms, I remember one being Windows Movie Maker. I really fell in love and was excited by the potential and ability to take footage that you had captured and be able to manipulate it. 
um, edit it together, create different pacing, develop storylines, add music. Uh, I was really into creating silly kind of, you know, comedic little things. And then as I got um, further and further along with that, uh, let's go to junior high, high school. I'm skipping a lot, but uh, this is the important stuff that relates. Um, I turned into the student that would not only ask to change or, you know, develop every project or assignment into the format of a video, I would just do that regardless whether (laughs) I was allowed to and given permission or not, because that's really all that I wanted to do. Do you remember any examples where you did that? Yeah. Like I, like in biology, I used to drive my (laughs) teacher insane because we'd have to do a study on plants or, you know, whatever it may be. And I would show up a week later with a video of me jumping out of a tree, like something (laughs) just ridiculous. Okay. And I had, you know, I had a few friends involved and uh, like we always had a great time doing it. We would be laughing our butts off. And then our school, I, w- I went to Springbank High School. Shout and, uh, out to Springbank in uh, Calgary. Shout out Springbank. <laughs> and they had televisions in every single room. Um, and so uh, you'd be able to, you know, play it from a central location in the school and broadcast to everyone. So I would do that every now and then. And I just loved it. It was a way for me being, especially being a very shy kid, it was a way right. for me to express myself and like connect with people right? and show, showcase my personality. And then if you met me in person, I'd just be like, hi. <laughs> that is so interesting because you do have such a large personality. And I think in those early videos too, you really were able to convey what your personality was like. And yet you were on the other side of that and couldn't step in front of the classroom and kind of share your story the very same way. So when did you, when did you get your first camera though? Like when did you ask for it at that point or did your parents understand this was a really serious hobby and they bought you one that was yours? Cause I remember that camera. Yeah. I think I just acquired cameras that were in the family, like in the, in the home. Okay. Um, because, you know, I think most parents seem to have those old kind of like super high eight um, or VHS cameras that, you know, you would see terrible footage from, from around right. the house, people eating food and or right. running around in the backyard with the sprinkler. Oh my God. I love those though. Yeah. They're amazing. Yeah. But uh, so I, I would just like, that was all I needed at the, at that point. I wasn't thinking about, um, resolution and frame rates and all of that. I just wanted to, you know, capture the content, which is funny because now going through all of the education in that, um, in this realm, uh, and learning about all the technical aspects and sensors and dynamic range and resolution and, uh, and all of these different things I've come full circle to being mostly interested in capturing content again. It's, it's like it's come full circle into wanting to just capture important, um, important moments and important scenes in front of me. Don't you think though that, you know, when you do become a quote unquote expert in your field, which you right. are, um, you have to learn everything and then you kind of have to forget everything that you've learned. And then what right. you're left with is kind of what you are. Right. You know, like you memorize it to forget it so that you can then develop your own aesthetic, your own kind of approach to whatever craft right. it is that you're doing. 
Yeah. And I like when I, I've thought about that for years because, you know, people say that, yeah. um, especially in the world of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And for me, what that means is, well, it's a, it relates to sports as well. It's kind of like you need to have yeah. your fundamentals. You need to have the skill sets. You need to understand why things are the way they are. You right. need to have a little bit of history. Yeah. You, you need to, like, for example, with film, you need to understand story. You need to understand composition, lighting, sound. Yeah. And a million yeah. other things, editing. Yeah. Um, and then when they say learn it all and then forget it, it's mm-hmm. because you want to be able to latch onto a piece of yourself and bring something, bring something from you that's original, right? And like your own flavor into the medium instead of just repeating what's been done over and over and over yeah. and over again. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I think they mean when they say that. They, I'm not sure who they is, but <laughs> the other experts, they. the critics. <laughs> it's like what we were ta- what were we talking about the other day though when we were sitting in the kitchen and we were talking about um you know, people come, they ask you, should I take a course? Should I do this? Is this what I need to do to really refine my skills to, you know, become a a real interior designer, a real filmmaker, editor, colorist? And the answer is always, yeah, you can always take a course. I'm never not going to encourage someone to continue to learn because that's always helpful. And if I can take one little grain from that, that's amazing. But the answer is that, you almost develop like a mu- like a muscle memory throughout your life. Like right. there are things that you see that you are absorbing. Like I'm looking at this amazing bookshelf right now in front of me and there's no rhyme or reason to the styling, but I love it and I'm just absorbing it and I will go to another space and I'll think, oh, maybe I could do it like that. And I won't know why it's just kind of absorbed from, you know, your whole span of your lifetime. Like Audrey my grandmother was one of my teachers, my mother, Bettina in Germany. There are so many influences and then the travels that we've had, life experience, and then you kind of draw from that. But there's there's no way to learn that. It's just something that over years, you through trial and error and just like it becomes you. And it's the muscle yeah. memory of your life. Yeah, and like a collection of life experiences yeah. and things that have flashed before exactly. your eyes. Yeah. And you can't explain it. You just have to develop it through time. It can't be rushed. And so your experience now versus your experience day one, when you were starting, even though it was a fresh, interesting perspective, you have to refine it over time. So once you, okay, once you got to the stage where, you know, you were filming everything, you were the guy that was coming into school, he was making those videos there was eventually a transition to you and Wade making videos. You started editing My buddy them. Wade, yeah. Yes. Hey, Wade Baylog. What's up? <laughs> and Chelsea Peacock. <laughs> Chelsea! <laughs> so how did you get to the stage where you were going, okay, I'm editing these now. I'm putting music to them. I'm starting to formulate something like that's where you were kind of at before you launched into the next stage. So how did you, how did you figure all of that out? Was it super easy? What program were you using? Well, it was, uh, it was easy for me because I I love to do it. And um, initially I wasn't very advanced at it. Like all I, all I really needed to do, all I really cared to know was how to get the footage onto a computer and then be able to chop a clip up 
separate it so I could chop out, you know, any parts that I didn't need. Right. And then I was able to arrange it in whichever, you know, linear or nonlinear format that uh, I so desired. Okay. So that that's all I needed to know how to do. <laughs> and um, so that's, it's very basic. It's actually, it's a very, it's very editing in itself is, is very basic. And uh, maybe we can talk about this a little bit later, but it's yeah. a, another thing that I always say, especially um, I, I'm a colorist now and that's, you know, developing a, a certain look for, uh, for the, for the visual with, with, you know, color adjustments, exposure, hue changes, uh, contrast. Um, and uh, really quickly, you can learn, anyone can learn how to use the tool. It's like anyone can learn how to use a paintbrush, for example. Pick mm -hmm. it up, dip it in paint, put it on the canvas. Right. But beyond that, there is, you know, obviously your innate natural talent or skill set but also a very important one is taste mm -hmm. so that's just what we were talking about the other day being able to have a certain taste which right. as you were saying comes from a lifetime of experiences and absorbing the world around you right and you know being able to recognize what good taste is through being around you know skilled talented exceptional artists and, and, and people who, who have good taste in themselves and, um, you know, acquiring a piece of, of their, their love and passion for whatever the medium is. Right. So that's what, like I, I, I teach as well. And, um, you know, I can, I can teach anybody how to use this mixer that I have in front of me or, or these, these color wheels, I don't know if you can see these. For those who are only listening, it's a little panel that's got three balls and you move those around and it manipulates color. Right. Anyone could really learn how to use them, but you have to really develop your taste. And that comes yeah. from life experience. That comes from taking courses, reading books. And mm -hmm. so to your question or your statement about people asking, should I take a course? Is that how I'm going to be good? Yeah. The answer is no, but take the course and do a thousand other things because yeah. when it all comes together, yeah. that is how you're going to be yeah, good. you it's just not... have to immerse yourself into it. So you, when you were learning, though, there was no YouTube or anything and not to jump around. But do yeah. you think that it's a benefit to people that it's kind of it's kind of weird, our world now, like there are so many amazing tools that you have access to now that we didn't then. Mm -hmm. And I think that can be a blessing and a curse because there's like these shortcuts that you can learn for someone who really doesn't have any experience kind of being down in the muck. They can kind right. of just like <laughs> spring forward into this expert level almost, right. but they don't have any groundwork. It's like empty kind of learning. I don't know. Like, so you just kind of had to fiddle around with it and learn how to do it yourself, right? Like there was no manual. Right. Well, I mean, you know, there was always literature and there were courses. Yeah, and, like uh, books. <laughs> yeah. And I, I like, and also, I mean, YouTube has been around, for, like, I remember using YouTube like a long time ago. Yeah, but like... It was different. 2007, yeah. when you and I first started dating, that's yeah. when we basically discovered it. Those right. were the early days of like salad fingers. Right. That was like the inception of YouTube. Right, right. So it's 
been around a while, but like this level of development and education that you can now find and tap into on it wasn't there at all for a while. Like I would say 2010 start like very, very earliest when people started doing more educational stuff. And then on the level it is now probably within the past five years. Well, yeah, the technology has like dramatically increased and how people have used it too and how they use it and everybody's trying to one up the last like i find people are really trying to go crazy with discovering new ways of making a visual look you know original original and exciting and you know wanting to dazzle visually in a way that's never been done before and i also feel when you mix that with the kind of desperate nature that the industry finds itself in now having to generate content so quickly that you don't really have time to develop anything of real substance or quality or kind of just churning, you know, production after production after production out. Yeah. Um, It doesn't really lend itself to allowing an artist to actually dive in thoughtfully to to developing a story, for example, yeah. that uh, will resonate and really connect deeply with an audience. Right. And, and I, sorry, go ahead. Well, not to say it's not sustainable, sorry, not to say it's not good work, but is it sustainable? That's what I always wonder. Like right. if, is there a longevity to that kind of experience? Right. Um, yeah. And I think like what uh, I think you mean, like a lot of these films that come out that are the big films nowadays, um, when you say sustainable, do you mean like, you know, in 20 years, are you going to think of it as a classic? Is it going to have like, yeah, like, I don't know. I just feel like, and you know, I always loved nineties film. Like, I just feel like the story development was always so rich. It was so good. There was, I don't know. It felt so meaningful and I don't want it to sound like I'm just someone who's now becoming an older person generationally. And so I, I don't like get new film and new content. Cause I totally right. do. I also really enjoy things. There are things that I see that I love that I'm like, mm-hmm. great, but it does, it does feel more fleeting, like all of this new content. And so I just feel like there was so much depth to everything that we used right. to see. And now it does feel like it's just on a conveyor belt of being accelerated and that's it. Sure. And uh, I just watched atonement from 2007. Oh my day. God. That's such a crazy film. It is insane. We saw that in the theater with Nanny. Yeah. And they say, see you next Tuesday, like 15 times. (laughs) Yes, multiple times. And And every uh, time I'd look at Nanny, I'd be like... (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's a little racy, but uh, it's a very sad story. Yeah. Beautiful story. Yeah. Um, And kind of an epic tale. And it's the, the depth of the story telling is just fantastic and it kind of mm-hmm. blew me away because I'm so used to watching you know I try to watch um what was I trying to watch the other day The Last of Us which is the new zombie film which is right. the zombie TV show yeah. on HBO and a lot of people are talking about it and the reason why I'm saying that is I haven't really found a show probably in the last you know 6 to 12 months where I felt that everybody was talking about it You know, you're kind of just like randomly coming across things on Netflix or... Fleischman is in trouble. Fleischman is in trouble. I'm waiting for you to watch it. I've asked you like 15 times now. You have to see it. 
But Last of Us, it's it's good. I did fall asleep watching it. I watched it a little bit tired, but it doesn't have it didn't have like the the backstory. Like I really need to. Yeah. For me, I like to know who the characters are and how they got to where they are in the present moment where the film is starting. But don't you think that that show is now going to? become like lost and you will go into every single backstory flashbacks. Right. That's my assumption. And I have not seen it, but like we've done that formula a million times too now, you know, I loved that show lost. I love you. That was incredible. That was a good time of, of TV life. Absolutely. And like it was so groundbreaking. Yeah. Everybody was like, whoa, let's get together and we're going to watch Lost well, on Wednesday night. And that's really what kicked off your career. So let's talk about that. So yeah, it was, so I think, back. a fateful, fateful um, you know, happenstance that we were working with people at the YMCA and one of the girls, Christina, she saw one of the videos that you captured, um, from one of our trips, a travel video, which a travel is what video. I love to do. Yeah. And at that point you were starting to really capture things like that. And there were some real fast cuts happening. <laughs> I also think yeah. I made them quite long. Like I've, yeah, I they came were. back to the video that I showed everybody that I made everyone, like our friends when they came over, I made yeah. everyone sit down and watch like yes. a 25 minute video of yeah. our trip. Yeah, which is lengthy. That's um, a long time. But at the time we were like so excited about it. And yeah. she saw one of these films that you made from when we went to Manhattan. That was right. one of our first trips together. That's a funny story in itself. We stayed at a hostel anyways. <laughs> um, With rats. There were rats and they ate my cupcakes and we were in bunk beds and we shared a room with the mother and daughter who were not happy. Money and, can't buy you <laughs> And yeah. They, we, the more they, you know, were irritated by us, the more that we giggled. So anyhow, that that though, experience of her seeing that gave you an opportunity to apply for a quote unquote real job in the realm of film. My first real job. Yeah. Let's talk about that briefly. Yeah. So she saw the video and she had, um, well still has. A cousin whose name is Ricardo Moroni, owner, founder of Moroni Films in Montreal. Yeah. And they were looking for an editor. They specialize in wedding and event films, now commercial as well. And um, I decided to apply and I was given some footage to, to manipulate and edit and I did that and I sent it in and I got the job. Isn't that amazing actually? It is. Well, especially thinking about how everything else had developed Yeah. afterwards. Right. That's like pretty cool though of him that he gave you a shot like that. You it were is. just like a young kid. Maybe you had turned 21 at that point. Right. And I, I'm not even, I can't remember. It's like you nuts. would have been like 21 and you started heading into the studio and editing all day. And had it not been for that, that really wouldn't, that's really, I think what gave you the confidence to say, okay, so now I am an editor. I'm a professional. Well, and I learned how to use the professional programs. Yeah. He showed you a lot. He learned. He he taught me. Yeah. Yeah. Tommy had to use, it's called Final Cut Pro. Um, there was something called Apple color back then too. And, uh, I started, you know, learning how to color back then. This is what, 2007, did we say six? Yeah. Um, 
So a while back now, it's crazy. Soon it's going to be 20 years. Yeah. Wow. So let's, okay, let's jump from that experience now to when you start to really like, you know, hit the big leagues. So, so we moved to Toronto. It's been five years. You, uh, now start a wedding production company in Toronto. It's quite successful called LNB films. Yeah. And from there, people start hiring you to do other things. So 2015 is a pretty important year because that's when you won the Juno for the best video of the year. Right. So, so I, I took I took all of the experience that I, I learned in Moroni Films and then I, yeah. you know, I figured out how to, you know, I just knew I had the confidence that I could start something um, of my own, especially in the wedding and event realm. So I, I opened a company, L&B, and I opened that with you. Yeah. Although I did all the... <laughs> the labor. Yes. You you were very client relations. You you were very um helpful with client relations and uh you did the loco and you did the aesthetic. Oh my and gosh, you were kind that's of the heart so and soul of yeah, yeah. Actually you created all of that relatively quickly. Just kind of flew out of you and it was great. Very good branding, just naturally. Um, so yeah, did that. Uh, I was at the point where I was doing, you know, 60 to 70 events annually and yeah. also on the side, um, you know, through connections that I had made doing that and, um, you know, some other small creative projects that I was doing, uh, that I would, you know, kind of create and produce and fund myself to demonstrate what I could do. I was able to pick up a few small commercial jobs here and yeah. there. Um, just like a whole mix of things over the span of, you know, 2007 to 2015. So a lot happened, a lot of traveling with the weddings all over the world. Yes. Um, I think I've worked on three continents now, something like that, uh, all over the place. And then uh, when things really started to take off, you know, going beyond just the, the realm of event filmmaking and small commercial work, definitely was when I partnered up with my sister, now pop star sensation Kaiza. And um, she had asked me to come down and shoot a music video for her, for her song Hideaway. And yeah. uh, what I always laugh at to myself internally and sometimes out loud <laughs> is the fact of how small the scope and scale felt when it was presented to me. And even right. when I was down there, you know, we were walking around Brooklyn trying to figure out the right street to do it and how we were going to map out the... It, it was a one-take video and a one-take dance video where Kaisa would walk, she would exit a taxi onto a street, proceed to walk up the street, doing her little dance to, dance to the song with backup dancers kind of following her around and, you know, a guy skateboarding through the scene, like all of these various things that we had place. So we had to map that all out and make it work in, in one shot. And, um, which wasn't something that everyone was doing at the time. No, I mean, it's not the first one shot to ever have been done, No, but that definitely ignited something in the, in, I would say in the social media video realm where then you saw a lot of one shots, uh, following suit. And but, even uh, trying to replicate that very video. Yes, trying to replicate and parody. Yeah. There were a lot of parodies as well, yeah. which was really fun. Comedians yeah. were parodying it. Yeah. Parrot, parodying it? Yeah. I don't even know if I'm saying that word right. Parrot. 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 Yeah. 
Um, so I like I had a great time doing that. I remember we had to go rent a camera so we could <laughs> shoot it, and we didn't really have any money. What was it? The Red Epic? No, it was, was a it? Canon C three hundred that we wanted, but we couldn't afford the down payment, which oh was God. like forty five thousand dollars. Because I don't think any of us had proper credit. Okay. So I remember we were like calling uh, calling our parents to be like, Hey, can you just <laughs> can you lend us for the deposit? Just oh um, my God, forty five thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, just just for the day. Um, oh my god, which was insane. Yeah. I actually, like that. That sounds crazy to me right now, but you know there was there was a good reason for it. But anyways, we had to downgrade to a camera that we could afford with the credit cards that we had, and uh, we got everything together. We had a small little crew. We shot it all. How many um, were on the crew? We, well, about like three or four people. I had an assistant cinematographer. Okay, I think his name was. Ben, he was he was more so helping guide me as I was yeah. sprinting backwards, holding my big steady cam rig because right. I was so focused on just like getting the shot, yeah, and not tripping and falling all over the place because it yeah. was quite a long walk with a big rig, and it was about forty six degrees Celsius that day in Brooklyn. Crazy. So I was close to blacking out on every take, <laughs> and uh, we didn't have a lot of time to shoot it. As well, because of sundown, is that why? Like well, it started because, to get closer yeah, to the sun. Yeah, because the production down. didn't really have any money, so right. I, I think we had a couple dollars to give to the dancers. Right, but we couldn't afford to like have them come out for a day, so they all came after work. Oh at my like god, seven o'clock, seven p.m. And so, oh my god, think about the sunlight. So we needed sunlight yeah. to film. Yeah, so we did our first take. Totally messed that up. It was totally unusable. Second take, we pretty much nailed it. Uh, there were a few glitches here and there, but coming up to the third take, it started to rain. Oh my God. Um, the synchronization between the dancers and even myself as the camera operator, like everything was starting to fall out of place and every take got worse and worse and worse and worse. So thankfully, <laughs> take two, and then people had to leave because they oh were my getting God. late and they had other obligations. And so take two, thankfully, we got it. Yeah. And um, wow. I can critically look at it and be like, oh, that was a mistake, whatever. But it worked. Yeah. No one else It worked will. very well. Yeah. And uh, so luckily we had it on take two, which is relatively funny because even with a small, you know, over, over the shoulder dialogue scene in a short film, you'd probably do, you know, five to 10 takes to make sure you get it right. And this is probably the most complicated shot that, you know, had come out that year. Yeah. <laughs> I do shouldn't say that, but it was a very complicated <laughs> shot. <laughs> yeah, let's pull up the uh, Oscar films that year. But let's... Um, I take it's that like back, Saving but it was Private Ryan, The Beaches of Normandy. It was um, on that level. <laughs> so back to like the whole part of the, you know, me saying it's almost too easy now in many ways. Do you think though, like it's... Can you place yourself on that shoot today if mm -hmm. you had been given the same task, the same, you know, treatment, like this is what you have to do. Right. Do you think that you would overcomplicate it? Like, do you think like no. almost the ignorance of being like, okay, this is what we have. This is how much time we have. These, um, you know, cinema or these dance choreographers, uh, yeah. have limited amounts of time. The sunset is coming up in an hour. It's going to rain. Um, it's 46 degrees Celsius. Do you think now though, that you would almost try to perfect it too much? Or do you wish that 
would it be an interesting experience? I shouldn't say, do you wish you could go, bu- go back? Cause that's not what it's about. It's more so how would you do it differently or would you overcomplicate it? Like, was there a beauty to you kind of having gun to the head, like go do it now we have five seconds, five minutes to do this. I, I don't know. I don't know if there, like there is kind of a beauty to how it all unraveled. Yeah. Lightning um, in th- a bottle. Yeah. And it exploded. It did very well yeah. online. And How many course, hits? Well, there are a date. couple links of it. There's a main link on the 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 labels channel, Local Legend, which yeah is the probably has it. somewhere yeah. around 500 million or something like that. And then there's another one that Kaisa yeah. posted that has like 200 or 300. It must be near a billion at this point. It though. is. It's near a billion. Yeah. That's insane. Which is wild to think about. Yeah, it really is. Um, but what I was going to say, like once that blew up, and I started to feel, you know, like I was gaining traction and I was yeah. like a legit filmmaker and I was doing right. awesome things. I think around that time, I was probably getting a little bit egotistical and I probably would like if I had that mindset two or three years later, especially after I, I was lucky enough to work with Sean Mendes for the first of uh, for the, a few of his first music videos. And you actually were there for a couple of them, which was really fun. Seven I, videos. I think I probably, like things started to happen so fast. And I yeah. feel like maybe I had a little bit of a strange ego and um, was overconfident and probably a little bit scrambled mentally with my approach. I think if I had then, so this is, I don't know, like three years after, if I had then had a chance to redo Hideaway, I probably would have overcompl- like overcomplicated it. But uh, I think it's very important to do just the opposite when you are putting together a production, especially such a complicated one. And a lot of them are, there are just so many moving parts. Um, I, I think it's like, I don't know if I would have, like now, I don't know if I would have approached it much differently than how right. we had done it. Right. I would have established, you know, different lighting setups. Like I would have had some, some bounces to bounce sunlight off and things like that. Right. A more stabilized setup, the proper camera, right. um, some additional hands to, to help out, to make things a little bit easier. Um, and you know, maybe added a few details, confetti, fireworks, who knows, whatever <laughs> we could do, things like that. Oh, like you would do some Add more detail or, and layers. Uh-huh. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. Okay. Interesting. I know it's hard because it was just, you know, now it is kind of lives as this iconic thing in itself. And you kind of say to yourself, well, you know, if we might've done something differently, it would have been a different end result. But I think that, you know, it goes back to sometimes when you don't overthink something, sometimes when, you know, there isn't as much of a method to the madness and you just kind of dive in, like, that's kind of where I see myself at this stage of my career now. It's like right. I've had seven years now um, with Elsie and Cal, and that's been such an incredible experience getting to know things. And now I'm entering this new stage. I'm at the beginning, but I'm up here now. I am right. like seven years of experience um, doing things on a very high level. And although I'm, entering a new market, I'm entering not entry level. So it's 
very interesting right away who I feel like I can sit down with, who I can approach. Like the confidence level just changes because now it's just part of my, my experience. So do you feel that at this stage of your career? Like, do you feel, um, like where, where do you feel at with all of that? Or do you feel disassociated to that part of your career almost? Cause it has been like seven years for you as well or eight yeah, years. I mean, I, I ended up, well, first I want to say the, your career has been very exciting and the work that you do is incredible. Thanks, and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what uh, your next project is. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm really, I think it's going to be the new house. Mm -hmm. That's going to be a big part of it. This is going to be a big part of it. Like I really, really love this process of getting to understand people's creative process and like where it all comes from, what they've learned, how they did it. And then um, beyond that, I want to do client work. But right now I'm kind of in this interesting in between where I, I think, you know, when you get to expert level, you can kind of position yourself in a different way than someone who just comes onto the scene and just, you know, able to, I don't know, go out and source a pillow. Now I feel like I can sit down and I can really lean into other people's experiences and just kind of go for it. Right. And I think I would relate the same thing to how I used to feel showing up on a big set, for example, yeah, where we'd have, you know, 20 to 50 people all different jobs, PAs, grips, um, you know, DP, director, actors, uh, all of these different things. Right. And in the first years of, of doing that, I would show up and just be a little bit terrified. I'd be overwhelmed yeah. and just worried about the fact that I came from more of a, a self-study, right. uh, self-learning platform where I just would seek out the knowledge and, you know, try to get as much experience as I could in the real world. I did not go through film school. So I did not have the traditional fundamental teachings. At the beginning, uh, that is. At the beginning. Yes, you've studied and taken on many different courses through the years after the fact to refine your skills. Right, sure. And and very much more specialized in the area of production that I most enjoy, which is post-production. Yeah. And uh, coloring. You would always say though, and not even you, I would be on set. We'd be on, you know, like the Sean Mendes shoot, a Sean Mendes shoot, because there were many, but you would have hired people to shoot and you would be uh, the director or whatever. And they would ask you to step in because your level of knowledge and experience was so highly um, surpassing everybody else's and your confidence well, level. Sure, sure. I think I, I what I would say is in, like, and I know what you're talking about. And in, in yes. those instances, I wouldn't even say it was a higher skill set or talent or whatever. I think what confidence? has really benefited me is the ability to not get flustered. Yeah, in uh, stressful pressure. situations. For yeah. some reason, I kind of attribute this to sports. Uh-huh. Um, for some reason, I I really get excited in pressured moments, and maybe right. that's a competitive aspect of wanting to prove that I could do it. Right. Um, but I would always jump at the opportunity to make something work, especially when it seemed like you know other people were having troubles. Right. <laughs> Sounds a little arrogant or whatever, but it's a, it's I think it's important to 
be able to find confidence in yourself, especially in a professional professional setting yeah. when things have to be done. Yes. And there's a lot of money being invested to right. have that outcome yeah. produced and executed properly. You just need to have the personality where you, you trust in yourself and believe in your abilities, especially right. if you have demonstrated to yourself and others in the past that you're able to do that. Right. Try yeah. not to freeze up and lock up in the moment when it really matters most. That's right. And I, you know, I feel like that's something too that comes with experience and mm. after, and I think that you really learned it in the wedding world because you only have one opportunity. You, <laughs> you only, only got one, one shot. shot to really get it right or you don't get that important shot. So to you have to be everything calm. you ever wanted. Yeah. You have to be ready though to um, basically, you know, perform at that moment and yeah. you, you have to get it. So I feel like that's the best training ground, but I have seen so many times where we've been, you know, on a work site and people are getting all flustered about things. And I'm thinking, we're going to make this work. It's going to be fine. Right. You know, like when you actually strip back what you're actually doing, you go, it's going to happen. Like it's going to, and I think everyone's, you know, forgetting almost they hired me because they believed that I could execute this right. and people start to panic about, you know, the position they're put on, put in, but you just have to take a step back and just go, it's going to be fine. You just have to breathe. Yeah. It's like when you show up to a social situation and you're an anxious type person and yeah. you know that all you have to do is say hello yeah. and share your name. But then in the right. moment you're like, I can't remember who I am. It's like the first day of school syndrome, which I'd always be really excited for and simul simultaneously scared. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, I'd be so much looking forward to meeting new people, which is kind of where I'm at right now, too. Yeah. Again, I'm like... um it's kind of nice to get to know people right from the beginning instead of having all these preconceived notions about what I can do, what I can't do. Like I'm at the stage where I get to tell people what I can do for them versus, right. you know, someone thinking they have an idea of what I do, which most of the time they don't even really look at it, even if they've right. hired me. <laughs> it's, it's very true. And the, like going back to what you just said about, um, uh, you know, developing relationships, meeting people and expand yeah. networking, kind of expanding uh, your, your, your group there of who you know and who knows you. I think that's probably one of the most um, valuable aspects. Uh, I'm just thinking about how my career's developed and the jobs that I find myself lucky enough to be on now. Yeah. Um, you really have to, like, it's, it's, it's almost going to be the deciding factor of, you know, whether you're successful or not thinking about and developing strong relationships with, you know, the right people yeah. and really respecting and, and putting a lot into those relationships. Yeah. Um, the job, I, I think most jobs that, uh, like uh, filmmaking, especially design, anything where you're working with people, it's very important to remember that aspect that you are working with people, whether yes. it's with the clients or with, you know, your team. Yeah. And at the end of the day, this is, we, we talked about this before, everybody can learn the skill sets, everybody can learn how yeah. to use the tools. One of the major factors in you getting a job or not is whether or not people want to work with you. Yes, it is. And, you know, 
Um, currently I'm at the stage where I, on Friday wrote kind of a letter of departure to all the clients, just letting them know that, you know, I'm going to continue to be working on their projects and that it's been so amazing establishing relationships with them, but the relationships, um, and I'm going to fulfill all the projects that I have been working on and I will be able to do it remotely. You heard it here. (laughs) Well, you're going to hear it on the Elsie and Cal podcast first. (laughs) That's going to come out before this. But um, you really become so intimately involved when you walk into a person's home and you are asked to basically, you know, tell them how their life should function from a perspective of, you know, how are you going to interact together in the dining room? How are you going to hang out together in the kitchen? Like we're designing basically the flow of how they're going to bond as a family. And so you really need to understand how that family flow works. And so you really get to know people. It's so interesting that this is what I landed in because (laughs) it is kind of a, um, reference to like, you know, the psychology and the beauty and like it combines aesthetics. Everything that I love really is all kind of there in this job. And, um, so yeah, developing relationships is the most important thing. And you never know who you're going to talk to that might go, I want to introduce you to such and such. So I'm just super open right now. And I think that you will find this next year too, like, especially as a newcomer, people are so receptive. Like this is, I'm always someone who, um, is very social. I'll talk to someone at the grocery store and two minutes later, I'll hear about, you know, their husband, their sister, like (laughs) that's just who I am. People just want to tell me and I want to hear. You're Um, lucky that you have that quality. I just enjoy it. I remember Audrey was like this on the playground and I would go, you know, everybody, Audrey, And she would be like, I do. She really, because everyone would talk to her. She would love talking to everyone. And I think it's just like instantly kind of letting people know that there can be a a familiarity and then that puts people at ease because I'm not, I'm, I'm actually interested in getting to know people. So which has really developed your taste level as well. This is another example of absorbing from the world around you. You're absorbing from people and the experiences that they share with you verbally. Right. Their likes, dislikes. But I think um, to cap this part of the conversation, so you feel collaboration though, obviously is very important. It's very critical to this part of, I think, your career. Like we're both at the stage where we are both, I would say, experts, as I said, but we also are being hired to execute things for other people. So it's not necessarily just only our creative um, decisions. There are other people weighing in. And I think to make it successful on a monetary level, you have to be willing to, unless you really have reached the status where, you know, you're walking into a room and you are, you know, calling every single shot. I think even someone though, like Steven Spielberg is so open to collaborating. He has the same team. He loves, like, he really leans on them to, like, weigh in. So... Of course they do. I think those are the most successful yeah. people in this in this industry, though, when you are really open to collaborate and you are okay to, you know, bend to a degree to, like, what somebody else is saying in terms of their well, who influence. Who in their right mind really truly believes they can handle all of that pressure and thinking and, and stress and right. uh, responsibility yeah. just in their head alone? Yeah. yeah. 
Um, I, I, another sports analogy, I think you really need to rely on the entire team. Right. And prioritize the end goal, the final product over your glory, your individual yeah. glory. Even if you're the director, there are going to be 50 people around you that uh, have excellent, worthwhile, creative input, suggestions, right. are able to help you solve problems, especially because your mental capacity can only handle so much at any given moment. Right. So it will help you in your creative uh, endeavor to lighten the load a little bit and distribute accordingly to the very able hands that are in your immediate proximity. Right. And allow you to open up the floodgates to your creativity and do what you and, and reach your potential in that uh, moment. What are your most recent, um, now that you are really honing in on the color work and that's where right. you're really gearing towards going in this next year, like you want right. to do your course, you want to continue to diversify your portfolio, like you really, really want to um, make that the primary focus at this point, the coloring yeah. work. What do these projects feel like at this point? Like where are you at in, because you're kind of like, you are expert level, but you are at the beginning of God this level. new part of your career. Yes. Even though you have lots yeah. of experience in it, you are just kind of at the beginning of this um, chapter. Of this chapter. Yeah. yeah. And uh, like the, the way that I would demonstrate that is everything now, when you get really high up working with, you know, big productions with big production houses, um, everything is very organized. Everything is very organized to the T. The schedule, like I will be commissioned to color the project once all the shooting has been done, all the pre-production, the shooting, uh, editing, a client has approved everything. Then they send it off to me to develop and enhance the look. And so when I'm booked on a job, I will receive the calendar for the whole production and I'll be able to see every stage yeah. along the way, when it's happening, like where it's happening. Like the critical path. Uh -huh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so you're watching all of these steps, one, two, three, four, all the way up to whatever it is. You're watching the whole development of the production along the way. Do you like that? I love it. Yeah. I, I love when things are organized. I know when they're going to start and when yeah. they're going to end, who's involved. And I think that's why too, you have to go back to an earlier thing is if you're entering this career now, right out of film school, you're jumping right into this like critical path kind of um, workflow. That is so different than, you know, you have done the, okay, are you going to be able to do this? Are you going to be able, you know, everyone's kind of um, doing a little bit of everything, mm -hmm. but yet the product still comes together. It's still a great product, but you kind of really have to hustle that like the whole way through. It's, you know, making sure that every you're everybody's kind of managing each other and it can right. be kind of crazy, but it almost does feel like if you were to enter into this level from day one into these critical paths right off the hop, if you will, I don't know if that's beneficial. Like I kind of feel like you have to come from the, you have to have all of that level of experience of chaotic, like how yes. are we going to do this yes. to then really appreciate this part 
otherwise you don't I don't know I almost feel like your creativity gets crushed right, right away uh, I know what you're saying and yeah I, like I, you I, can appreciate the how smoothly this will run now but right. only because you've had all of those other experiences in the past that have been like so haphazard and uh, crazy but they've always created still an amazing result right and I, I think why I'm so calm now and so much so enjoying the format of how things are unraveling these days where I, I have a day booked and I'm, I'm assigned and hired to do one job, focused on one thing. Yeah. I'm coming from a world of experience where I was doing multiple jobs in one production Yes. with a very chaotic unraveling of how it was all executed, um, a lot of uncertainty mm-hmm. um, and... 100% needing to have knowledge and skill sets in various positions, various areas of production, which I think is very valuable. Right. I think it's important for, like, if you want to be an editor, you should understand, you know, direction, cinematography, yes. you know, lighting, all of that stuff, because it will only help shape, better shape your skill set and abilities as an editor. Yeah, That's and understand an how the everything connects because you can go from the background that you've had into this new workflow, but you can't go the other way, really. I think that would be very disruptive and they wouldn't understand how to do it any other way. Do a more chaotic environment. I think I would be totally lost and I probably would have burnt out and not have been working in the world of film. So experience, it's like uh, a shy person developing confidence in a social setting. It happens by putting yourself in those settings more yeah. More often, again and again and again, until you realize that, oh, I don't have to be afraid to say hello to people. Yeah. It's it's really as simple as that. You have to hit yourself with the, the shock of the experience over and over and over again until it no longer scares you. I know. You just have to go for it, really. Mm-hmm. Not to say that someone can't have a successful career, obviously going the traditional route, you can, right. but I always feel like there's a level of um, being able to think around the situation. And right. I think like Ellen B gave me the confidence um, with the clients to sit down and have conversations about finances and money, right. like the hard stuff that people don't want to talk about, but have to be discussed. Right. Like those are the things that... I became very comfortable with. So I had that, I was armed with that right away. And knowing that, you know, there's always room for discussion. It's not always going to be finite. Like you, we can talk about this more and let's get to a level where, where we're all happy about it. Right. And let's go from there instead of, oh my God, I'm not going to get it. It's, I don't know. It's just learning how to value yourself as a um, professional too right. in a creative community. Yeah, so it's, it's very exciting. And uh, I'm very happy to be in this career and I'm very excited about the work that you're doing. And um, Thank you. It's pretty cool that we've both stuck to it. And that's yeah. another thing that people need to know is... That's true. You're going to go through a lot of shit and a long road to get to where you ultimately, you know, are dreaming of getting. Yeah. And I, you know, we're, I'm still working on that. I'm constantly evolving, constantly growing, constantly learning. That's important. Never stop learning. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to be left behind. Yeah. But you got to, you just have to have the willpower and the drive to keep on going and you will eventually get there. I, I truly believe that the difference between people who succeed in, uh, you know, any, any career and those that don't, the ones who succeed actually do the work. 
Right. I, I think it's I think it's as simple as that. And of course, there are different levels of, of success. But yeah, if you want it, you can grab it. You just have to go do it. So what are you working on now? Talk to me about what you're so excited about. What's next? What um, what you're developing? So I'm developing right now. I'm, I'm working in, um, I'm doing commercials right now. So I have a couple of commercials on television currently. Maybe they're off air now, but uh, I had one for a big investment firm called IG Wealth Investment that uh, I even saw on SportsCenter a few it. times, I've which is really cool. I've seen it pop up a few times, yeah. That was exciting. And I had one for One Wheel, that um, kind of skateboard company, like yeah. electronic skateboard with one wheel in the middle. Hence the name One Wheel. <laughs> had that, and uh, I had another one for LG. Their new one of their new um, uh, computer monitors that they released. Yeah. And coming up very soon, I'm expecting an email to get going any any day now. Yeah, it's the thirtieth. So yeah, got a couple right new up. commercials coming up. Critical um, path coming your way. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I'm I'm just very excited about that. I don't even know who the commercials are for, but I'll find out. And yeah. uh, that this is the type of work that I love to do. I, I love quick turnarounds. Right. I love knowing exactly what needs to be done and still being able. Like the reason why I love color is it's it's very simple. What needs to be done? Like you got to make it look good. Yes. But nobody can really tell you how to make it look good. They're kind of leaving it up to your creative input. So I, it's it's very simple in in the essence that. We have the footage. We just need need you to color it, make it look nice. But there are a million ways for me to approach that. And so I'm still able to have right. my creative signature on uh, every production that I get yeah. to touch. And I'm also now doing sound mixing and design, which has been very interesting yeah. and a lot of fun because you, you get to come down into the studio blast your speakers and create yeah. sound effects and line mm-hmm. them up with different moments in the in the footage. And I've just, for some reason, have fallen in love with that. Didn't even know it was something that I enjoyed doing. Mary, uh-huh. one of my best friends, her husband, John Iaquinta, he's a very celebrated um, sound engineer. Brilliant. And I am... Um, her and I are going to go to his studio soon. We we were talking about doing that a couple of weeks ago. Just drop in. Like I'm dying to see his setup and just see, you know, what I know what he does, but yeah. it's so funny because I know him also on just such a f- close friend level, Right. but to see him in his element, like, and he has such a good voice too. He does. <laughs> yeah. Like just getting, and he used to do a radio show back in the day. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. I know when he told me that I was like, of course, John, you did that, but I can't wait to see it. Like I just am just, um, thrilled by anyone who is succeeding in this, um, in this world of, you know, pursuing something creative and like, no matter what it is that they do, I'm just always, I don't know. There's just something to it that you're taking the the road less traveled. Like I've continuously kind of thought like, who can I contact now that I'm in Calgary that has stayed here and how have they kind of um, launched their career? Because truly in this environment versus Toronto's, it is different. A lot of people went into oil and gas here. Really, you have to make it a much more of a conscious choice to pursue a creative life here. Yes. And it is in, it isn't the easiest because that's not what everyone's doing. And I kind of 
it's like challenge accepted. I'm really excited about that. I'm excited to really understand what this community is like. And I, I almost feel like it's a braver community in that like these people really are standing against the odds of what people normally right. do here in Toronto. Everybody's in film and music and everyone has Marketing podcasts. And yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Everyone I know is someone in the creative com- community. That's also because that's yeah. how we've cultivated it. Yeah. And not to say even all of our friends are from that community because they're not, but you know, every other person is trying to, you know, promote themselves in one way or another, including right. us, obviously. Of course, as a couple. that's what we're doing right now. Yeah, I know. So it's very, it's all very interesting. Um, I can't wait to see how this is going to develop for you. I really hope that you continue to um, reach out to studios all over because your work is so good and you really... Thank you. Yeah, you really have tapped into a really interesting niche, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, I mean, the ultimate goal for me is to get down to California, LA and work in there, you know, at least for a couple of years. I think that would just be such a cool experience. It would be a really interesting experience. I think it would be lots of fun. And again, always, you know, up for an adventure. That's how I feel right now. I think the kids would enjoy the weather too. Oh my God. They would love it. What a fun little stint that would be though. I I think it would be brilliant. And I really, really am hoping and believe that it will happen. So that's kind of where my sights are are set at the moment. I just have one more question regarding, um, you know, you've got two minutes. (laughs) It's my show. (laughs) Um, do you ever feel a lack of control as the colorist when you see, when you are just fed like what they've filmed and you're thinking, I would have shot this differently. I would have done that part differently. Like, and you're given something that now you have to basically like undo, problematic things they did while they are actually capturing it. If I am if I am given poorly lit, poorly exposed footage to color, I'm not really going to be able to do a good job. So the better the cinematography is, the better my work will look as well. Yeah. So absolutely if somebody submits footage for me to color and it was not well shot, I am upset. And you are working at this point with a caliber of product that is going to be, you know, um, a lot more experienced and they should c- technically be providing right. you with stuff that has, you know, the right balance of everything so you can do what you need to right. do. But do you ever have conversations with the shooters or like, are you removed from that completely? That's the well, only part of this. I yeah. don't, I, str- I struggle with thinking of how you then it's the same thing that I do. It's like if the contractor, if we're brought in after the contractor, it's like now you have to undo what he's done. Because they're asking us to, you know, finesse something that we wouldn't have decided upon to begin right. with. So what I'm trying to get into as well is being um, a digital information uh, technician, yeah. a digital image technician, DIT on set. Yeah. And uh, essentially what they do is they will be on set monitoring the image as it's being captured and fed into the camera or right. into the computers. And right. you can look at all of your scopes, all of your, your measurement instruments and um, make a determination as to whether or not things are being captured correctly for what needs to be done in post. Okay. So do we have enough exposure on the skin tone to get a nice looking image for this actor? Or do we have enough 
resolution or light for the green screen to be able to do a proper green screen right. or whatever other VFX that we need to do. Right. So, and also I, you don't have to be a DIT in that position. Um, there have been a few times where as a colorist, I'm just on set, just looking at things and also giving a little bit of influence into set decor. Uh-huh, because for color palette. colorist is bringing color yeah. theory. So you're thinking about colors, like what is going to complement, what is going right. to help enhance the emotional right. tone that the story is trying to convey. So the more involved that you can be yeah, as a better. colorist from start to finish, the better. We but, really do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, we do. We do. We do the same thing, but different... Um, Different canvases. Yeah. Um, it's very interesting because it really is exactly the same thing. And you would think that other people would understand, but they don't. Right. Like you have to really walk them through the process as to why, of course, if you're the colorist, it would make sense to, you know, mediate the palette so that you can then adapt it. You can't just create it out of thin air. No, absolutely not. Yeah. So tell people how they can find you. Oh my God, how can they find me? Um, so my, my color correction, and thank you for this opportunity to promote <laughs> myself. Um, if you go to chromaneer.com, that's C-H-R-O-M-A-N-E-E-R.com, the name inspired by the Imagineers from Disney. Love it. The amazing Imagineers, uh, you can you can see my color work and you can see my um, my reel and things like that, and uh, the the link will be in the description, I imagine. Um, and also, if you want to find me on social at Chromaneer or at Blair B L A Y R E Elistad E L L E S T A D. That's BB. how to find me. Big things are coming. This is going to be a really great year. Yes, it will be. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun and I'm honored to be guest number one. Number one.